0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thank you as always for joining us. Now today we've got an all lace affair. Often when we run these podcasts, we like to get a guest in or two but we're going 100% lace today and that's because of a recent event that we ran and a really interesting discussion that took place and I'll, I'll touch on that and I'll expand on that in a second. But before I do that I'll introduce the fellow lace Joining me today, Mr. Aaron Albury. How are
1: you? I am very well, Chris. It's great to be on a podcast again. I was trying to remember last time I was on one. It's yeah. been uh, a while. I, I listen to more than I talk on these days, which is fantastic.
0: Well, you are noted. You're conspicu- your conspicuous absence. Uh, you've been conspicuous from your absence. It has been noted. I have been making a record of it, and uh, we shall pick that one off, off- offline. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Tim Ringo is joining us as well. Tim, how are you doing? You all right?
2: Hi, Chris. I'm very good. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Always a pleasure to have you on now. Aaron and Tim, as I said, we ran this CPO forum, Chief People Officers or CHRO forum, the middle of March. We got a lot of CPOs along to talk all things digital employee experience. As we were having that kind of discussion, some of the interesting things that came out of it. And of course, there is a blog we launched and we released on our website in late uh, March, early April. So, what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll put a link to that blog as well. But, Aaron, you were scribbling down some thoughts based on the conversations that took place. And as a result of it, we've put together a a model, a chart, if you like. Again, what we'll do is when we release this as a blog, we'll also do a link to that too. But you've called it the, this is why CPOs should own experience company-wide at the C-suite. And you've given it subtitle is making work easy. Can you just? Can we just talk through that model? And then what I'll do is I'll get Tim to give me some some of the benefits that he had as well. But before we go into the nuances of the different mm. sections, can you just give me a bit of an overview as to why you you, you needed to scribble down all of these thoughts?
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks, Chris. And and it was a great session. As you say, we had a number of CPOs together and, I, and, and the conversation roamed for quite some time but a lot of the conversation was around experience which is why we brought them together one of the questions we kept coming back to was who at the c-suite owns the concept of employee experience and i think it was fair to say that question got asked five or six different times in five or six different ways and i think generally overall there was a perspective that there isn't a clear owner at this stage in a lot of organizations for employee experience in its totality. There are big parts that HR clearly own, engagement clearly being one of the big topics that people have talked about for a long time, and HR own. But when you think about things like the workplace environment and its impact on experience, and how much just the physical environment can change the experience someone has, especially in a hybrid environment, that's well, quite often it's not inside the HR purview, but also things like the digital tools that people use and how those are engaged and how that can change someone's experience. You know, you can have a great manager, you can have a great culture in the organization, but when you turn up, if the tool set that helps you do your job doesn't, gets in the way rather than enables you, it will d- diminish that experience. And again, a lot of that is owned outside of HR. And so it's a fragmented ownership around there and so one of the big debates we had was should the cpo step in and say well actually i own that accountability i may not own the parts of it i may not be responsible for parts of it but the 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 way that that all comes together and are we doing a good job as an organization of bringing it together I think there was a general perspective from that group that that should come to the CPO and that it hasn't done in the past, but that is not a reason for why it shouldn't sit there. So um, what we talked about a lot was all of that, the experiences in service of making work easy for people. How How do you enable them to come to work and just get on with their jobs? And do it. I well. was one of the CPOs. Was really passionate about this. About you know, our job is to get everything else out of the way and to let people just do their jobs and do it well, and do it with the best of their abilities and not frustrate them. And how can we how can we make sure that works? And so we talked about things like workplace environment and tools, but also health and safety. How they feel part of a team, how they feel empowered in their jobs how their line managers interact with them. All of those things help people do their jobs well. And then we just talked about, okay, well, why, why do you do that? Why do you focus on making work easy? Why do you focus on the importance of employee experience? and i think people were debating not debating but discussing several ways around of how that impacts the productivity of the business and that's hence why i was scribbling chris in that session because they were going backwards and forwards a few times but I think there's a view that you know, that cre- increases engagement if you get experience right. It, in- it increases also the sense of belonging to an organization if you do it in a strong way in which people feel empowered. People typically then are happier at work. Morale is lifted at work again if things are easy to make work. and And those three things combined allow people to... One, feel less stressed, take less time off with sick, be present more. So the amount of days available are more. But also they feel more inclined to do that discretionary effort. Put that extra mile in, go beyond. Uh, And those combinations of more days available, less, less time off, plus extra effort when they are there is why you see this productivity enhancement. And we were just trying to simplify it in the diagram you described around all those moving parts thinking about it that way. And therefore, as a CPO, which of these do you own? Do you own workplace environment? What's your influence on it? Do you own the workflow tools? What's your relationship with the CIO? How do you get involved in that? How do you measure morale and happiness at work? Because it's a major factor in discretionary effort, as we know. So all of those points allow us to have a good discussion around
2: it.
0: Brilliant. Tim, can I just get some reflections on Aaron's kind of thoughts there and uh, and the model that he mapped out as well?
2: Yeah, I think the thing I would I would say is I did a pretty extensive speaking tour in in March and was uh, speaking across Europe, Middle East and Asia. And I do a lot of polling of the audience. So over 600 people I spoke to and the workplace experience, the workforce experience was either number one or number two in terms of the trends that people are most looking to take advantage of. And, and And the reason why was exactly as Aaron said, it's around people recognize the link between a great workplace experience and productivity. But the the other reason that these HR professionals were were flagging it as being very, very important, it's also in terms of competing for talent, right? So so those are kind of two things. So it's not just a UK thing. This is clearly, which surprised me, it was clearly kind of a almost global thing at the moment. So it's clearly a trend that people are trying to take advantage of. But I think the only other thing I would add is that making work easy or easy is obviously about productivity, but guess what? When, when people, when work becomes easier, they can use some of their headspace for other things, which is thinking up new products, new services, new ways of doing things. In other words, they have more, more headroom to create innovation. And, you know, not only does it increase productivity, but it also increases innovation, which I think is a powerful part of the business case of, you know, creating a great experience at work.
0: Yeah. Can I just, t- I'll stay with you then on that one, Tim. How many organizations do you think recognize this, that the the link between that kind of engagement and the innovation side from
2: your experience and the people you speak to? I haven't heard people bring that up. It's something I, I bring up in my talks yeah. and my workshops because I don't think there is a, people don't see the link necessarily immediately because the focus is on retention and productivity but certainly once i put that as a major benefit people go yeah you know that's absolutely right i've seen that when people have a bit more headspace and less you know internal organization friction in terms of processes for the sake of processes technology for the sake of technology when you simplify that make that all easier people absolutely agree they, they say yeah that that makes a lot of sense that frees people up to think about new ways of doing things or new products and services so yeah the linkage isn't quite there yet but but people Get it intuitively when it's made for them.
0: Aaron, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about mm. is so you ha- in, as you've just touched on, you highlight as part of this uh, this model, there are seven key areas around great experience. You've got workplace environment, the work tools, the safety, social belonging, reward and recognition, trust and empowerment, team leads and line managers. How much impact can HR truly have on all of these areas?
1: That was really a good question, Chris. And the fact that it was one of the things we debated a lot in that CPO session. And I think it's one of the reasons why actually answering who owns it was so tough. Because a lot of CPOs don't have ownership in a number of these areas. I think also it depends on the industry. So depending on your industry, if you're a mining organization, for example, health and safety very much does fit in the purview of HR. We've seen a number of organizations recently where workforce experience and the influence on facilities management has come underneath HR and under their control. I think a positive step given everything that's its influence on experience. Clearly, team leadership, trust and empowerment, reward recognition, right. In Heartland of HR. I think when you come to something like workforce tools, then it's not, uh, and it typically is inside CIO at best, sometimes to spread across operations and CIO. But I think what we're trying to get to here is there needs to be an appreciation of the level of impact that can have on experience, and therefore. At the very least, as a CPO, you should be interested to understand what works and what doesn't, because it'll be one of the big factors that comes up in engagement surveys. It'll also be one of the things that you'll hear from people when they first joined, it wasn't as easy as I thought, my laptop didn't connect, I couldn't get into the tools I needed, et cetera. And the good news there, I guess, is, and we talked about this in the session, there are tools now available in the marketplace to help you analyze the use of those digital tools, those workforce tools, to help you understand are they being used are they being engaged with in the right way are people getting stuck at certain processes inside those tools to help you streamline that to help you make that easier so but as a cpo i think it's such a big element of experience that it's important to really understand at least appreciate what is going on in that space
0: Yeah. And Tim, just from your perspective, just obviously reflecting on that, what I was quite interested as well, just looking at this model is from what you, from people that you've spoken to, are there any of those buckets that we've identified that almost stand out more than the other in terms of HR's ability to have more of an impact or less of an impact?
2: I think the areas that that they can have the most impact is around very effective reward and recognition. I think that they can also have an important part in terms of implementation of of tools that people can harness to make them better, which makes things easier. But I think there's also a focus on, you know, managers, middle, middle managers don't necessarily have the skills to augment a great work experience and they need skilling up. And that's another area where HR can help to help skill those middle managers in creating that because the kind of whole thing falls down if, if your manager is not great. The experience is great, but your manager is not so great that that tends to kind of, you know, nullify any, any of the benefits. So I would say those are kind of the three areas that HR have a, a direct and probably not a sort of controversial that they would be taking those, those areas as their responsibility.
0: Yeah, certainly. Aaron, I, I realise I didn't actually ask you that yeah. question. So the same one to you, actually. What are your thoughts on that?
1: The ones that they do well, I think, Chris, um, I would agree with Tim on that space. I I, I do really like the what direction the market's taking around workplace environment. Mm. I think that's fascinating. I think, you know, if you think about hybrid working, the changes that has made to the way people come into the office, the way they interact, we see it throughout most of our clients in most industries, trying to trying to work out how to have more meeting space, more collaboration space, less desk space to get that balance right. And that is so influential on how people feel in the organization, how they engage with the organization. And I, we hear it a lot in the conversations, You know, that the fear around we're hiring people who have never been to our office. How do they embed in our culture and when they come in, how do we really make that as impactful as possible so they feel that sense of belonging very quickly. There's real design that's required in that. There's real thinking that's required in that. It's not just about desks, number of desks and chairs and seats and so on. You really need to think about the composite of what you're trying to achieve as a business in that department, in that function. And you know, is it more meeting space? Is it more collaboration space? Is it actually just around getting desks for people? There's lots of thinking. That's, I love what's going on in there. And I think there's real engineering that can be done around making that as, as, as strong as possible. And I think that's one that HR has a real influence on and should take more, more of a step in. I wanted to come back on the innovation point that Tim made. I think it's a yeah, great point. I think this concept of more capacity. So if, if work is easy, there is just the ability to think around continuous improvement, to think about how to, to take the process to the next level. But you also have that mental capacity to bring together points of, of view that. When you're firefighting and when you're trying to struggle through bureaucracy or tools that don't quite work or line management that's not enabling you and that's getting in the way, you know, all those things go to one side. And if you can release those, then I think to Tim's point, I'm I'm with him on that intuitive leap, innovation should go up in your business. It'd be great to see studies over time that can show that. Certainly, there's already studies, I think, enough studies out there that people now really get that link between great experience and productivity, it's it's not too intuitive a leap to make it to to innovation as well. And I think it's a great point.
2: Yeah,
0: certainly. I wanted to ask I'll ask both of you this question actually, because of the of the sort of Seven areas that you've identified as those contributing towards the great experience. What struck me is that some of them, when I'm thinking, I'm thinking specifically around med- measurement. Some of them, it's quite easy to measure, but there are some of which are which are a little bit more like soft factors, like trust and empowerment and safety and social belonging. So if I'm a CPO or a CHRO that's kind mm-hmm. of listening into this podcast and maybe has got a copy of this this model this diagram in front of me. And I'm asking myself the question, how do I manage, how do I measure some of that? Have you got any thoughts around that? Because And I appreciate some of it, as you've just said. So like tools, you know, potentially you can measure through things like our partner's actual experience. There are things that you can do to measure certain levels of engagement. But for things like around for the, for the soft factor stuff, such as social belonging, trust and empowerment, safety, like any advice there on how do I measure some of this stuff?
1: It's a great question. I'm sure Tim will have a, a strong perspective as well. But the, historically, a lot of this has been done through engagement surveys, Chris. So, you know, and and one of the challenges with that is you know they're, they're a lagging indicator, right? So by the time it appears on a on a um, an engagement survey that says, are you happy with the level of empowerment you have in the organisation? Do you feel a sense of belonging? Would you recommend it to a friend or colleague to join at those sorts of measurements? The horse has already bolted if you've not got it right. So I think that, that sort of, Understanding the tool sets that exist in the marketplace to allow you to do more pulse-based surveying, to get that, that real-time insight into um, the way in which people are engaging. So we've seen a, an, an increase in things like organizational network analysis to show, show where traffic flows are going in a business so you can understand whether or not teams are engaging and talking with each other in the way you, you'd hope that they would do in the volume that they'd expect. You talked about the actual experience there and their their sort of real-time tool set around digital. There are so around the the trust social reward side of things to get that sort of feedback and line managers and team leads i think every every hr director probably listening to this would would admit the fact that no matter how good their team leads and line managers are they could be better but i think you know that one's a given that uh, most organisations continue to want and, and need to try and focus on that and raise that especially in a hybrid environment so it's a tricky one but more real time more pulse less lagging engagement surveys is probably the way to go.
0: Yeah, Tim, just for your perspective, obviously. My question, same question to you, which was I'm a CPO and I'm looking at these seven areas and thinking, how do I effectively measure these without just firing out an engagement survey once every six months or how arbitrarily?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll use a case study. I'll use SAP factors because SAP actually used success factors for an HR transformation when they bought it in 2011. And, um, you know, that was about giving them better work tools that would free them up to be able to do more and do better. But the things that were measured that were really important were trust and transparency. Because the scores were very low before the program started, and by the way, the, the program was called Experience Matters. It was all about experience, and part of that was just the, you know the transparency of the leadership, and so that was something they could baseline and then watch it improve. The other thing was the capabilities of the line managers, as Aaron was saying. That, that's eminently possible to measure. That you baseline it and see the difference in terms of manager capability after they've been through a learning journey. To that's going to be about improving experience. And then lastly, I think you know another one that's 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 very good is and fairly straightforward is rewards and recognition, particularly recognition programs. You can see engagement go up quite significantly when there's a really well-designed recognition program. And then you can see on the reward side, voluntary attrition uh, going down when you've addressed that in the workplace experience. So I agree with Aaron on those points. I would just add, the, add those couple of things. But those are things I've seen measured. SAP measured them. They had a massive uplift lift over over about two years. Once that experience was put in place, it was quite dramatic uplift in those things.
0: Yeah, brilliant. It's shorter pod today. Just wanted to uh, get some initial thoughts from you guys on that piece. And as I said, we will be releasing it as a blog as well. Just before we wrap up though, is there any kind of final thoughts? I'll start with you, Aaron. Any kind of final thoughts that you that you've had based on discussion today, you know, around making work easy or easier and and the model itself? I
1: think The takeaway I had from the session that we ran and the discussion we ran with the CPOs is do challenge yourself if you're leading an HR area of a business as to why you wouldn't own all of the experience and the debate around it. Why would you not be the point person to drive that because it has such an impact on the business outcomes if you can get it right and appreciate that. know in doing that it's not about the traditional hr side of things it's about the pieces that go beyond and those aren't always going to be easy conversations and they're going to be tricky but the value is there to be had if you go for it so i think that's
2: probably my summary
0: oh and tim just give you the last word any sort of final thoughts or reflections based on some of the conversations we've had in the pod today
2: Yeah, I would just strongly encourage CPOs to do as Aaron has said, which is take, you know, responsibility for the program, bring everything into one place and run it from there. But then I would just add, you know, baseline and measure it, measure the journey and and see where it's having the impact and where it might need more work. Because at the end, people are going to ask, okay, we've done this and we've created a greater workforce experience. But what has that done for us in terms of some of the things we've been talking here, productivity, innovation and some of the other metrics we talked about?
0: Perfect. Well, listen, gentlemen, thank you very, very much for your time today. It's been uh, really fascinating. As I said, right at the top of the show, what we'll do is we will put a link to the original blog that we did, which was the reflections from the actual CPO forum, because there's a couple of really interesting pieces in there that are worth watching or looking at. And then uh, what we'll be doing is we'll also be releasing a piece based on some of these discussions that we've had, obviously, in this podcast, but subsequently since, uh, since the last one. So, Aaron, once again, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris, for hey. oh, having me back, even. You're so, always uh, welcome. Thank you so much.
0: And Tim, as always, lovely to have
2: you on. Yeah, thank you very much, Chris. Cheers.
0: Of course, you can get this podcast where you get your podcasts. You can also look at the Lace Back catalogue, lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. Once again, thank you very much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure just cracking open the uh, thoughts and brain power of uh, these two wonderful gentlemen. And hopefully you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. But until then, thank you very, very much. And we will see you next time on the HR the Offensive Podcast.
2: Bye-bye.